Welcome to Drop Everything Podcast number 70. I'm your host, Dan Holzman. On this podcast, we have a very special guest. In fact, he's one of the special guests at this upcoming summer's IJA Juggling Festival in Fort Wayne, Indiana. I'm talking about the one and only Mr. John Udry. Before we get to John, though, let's thank our sponsors, starting with, of course, the IJA, International Jugglers Association. Come join us the 24th through the 30th of June in Fort Wayne, Indiana, for the Juggling Festival hosted and created this year by Mr. David Kane. Hey, also go to Amazon.com, check out my author's page, and the two books I have for sale on Amazon.com. Also, the Ring Dama is still available at Ringdama.com. Okay, let's drop everything, get ready for Mr. John Utry. Welcome to Drop Everything Podcast number 70, my special guest, all the way from across the pond, Mr. John Udhart. Exactly. You dream, but without the M. Now, I'm very excited to talk to you. You're part of the British invasion that will be coming over to the IJA this year. Which British jugglers are coming over? Who's coming over? So we've got myself and Steve Rawlings and Matthew Tiffany, who I'm, I'm quite good friends with as well. So it'll be quite nice to just uh, hang out with my buddies, really. Did we get all of them? Have we gotten all the English comedy? There's what, Sam Veal, right? He's also a... You can get him over. Now, why didn't he make the cut? Is he is he the lesser of the of the three? Is he... Oh, definitely not. <laughs> Out of the four of us, I was probably... Sam's great. He's really good. And I guess Steve is sort of the... Uh, I don't want to say the grand old man of English comedy juggling, but he's he's sort of, sort of my generation. Well, when, when I was uh, my comedy juggling heroes, like when I was about 12 years old, my parents took me to see Steve... Because I was into juggling and stuff back then, my parents took me to see Steve Rawlings in a theatre show, and uh, I just remember it was one of the funniest things I've ever seen. And since then, I'm proud enough to call him my buddy, which is kind of fun. Yeah, I'm very excited to see him come over, and I know he'll think he'll be uh, emceeing, I believe, the Welcome Show, so I'll be able to spend some time with him. I'll be directing the Welcome Show and the Public Show, so I get to work with all you guys. Great. It'll be good fun. Look forward to it. And what do you think is the difference between the English comedy jugglers and the American comedy jugglers? Are you aware of us? Are there ones you like, ones you uh, find inspiration from? What's your take on the American comedy juggling scene? I think there's, to be honest, I think there was a time in comedy when there was a bigger difference. Now, like with, with the internet, everyone, I think their sense of humor is a lot more melded together. It's like I perform in front of American audiences and British audiences. I do the same act and they find it funny. So it's it's not like one, I don't have to British and my sense of humor, I think is British, but I don't need to change it for a different audience. I, I, personally, anyway, I don't think so. When you were coming up, were you, were you aware of jugglers like Michael for the American jugglers? Yeah, he was a huge inspiration. Like Michael Davis, and Frank Olivier, and there's lo- lo- you've got loads of good ones out there. Oh, we like to think so. We like to think so. And yourself as well. You know, you guys, the Raspini brothers. Yeah, because I'm He's coming cool. to MC the, the European Juggling uh, Festival this year. Oh, nice. And will people know who I am? For sure, definitely. They, I hope so. I hope so. They're like, who's yeah, this I guy? So. I mean... For sure they'll know who you guys are. Like, you know, is it is it just you or is it the other Raspini as well? Because well, they know who you both are. Well, he doesn't juggle at all. I mean, he juggles, but he doesn't perform anymore at all. He mm. retired completely in 2016. Because you guys did a British juggling. Oh, yeah, quite a few years back. Yeah, yeah, at least maybe 15 years ago or so. No, because it was my, because I, I saw you there. And actually, maybe, am I that old? I think I you're know. only 18, right? How old are you, John? <laughs> I'm 30 now. Oh, 30. No, it was quite a while ago. I think he was one in uh, Scotland. In Perth? Yeah, in Perth. Okay, uh, makes sense. Yeah, we emceed the, the show, and uh, I remember Barry tried his uh, his Kara box there. 
without success. <laughs> Sounds like a good story. Well, it was it was a, well, it was a moment, you know. And so something when you're a partner, with you're with something else, and when the when the partner does something that fails, you kind of fail at the same time. You're a bit removed from it. Oh, definitely. Yeah, you're allowed to laugh at it, but just a little bit more. I think so. I think so. Yeah. Uh, now you've worked with some partners, and we'll we'll get into the early start. But last time I talked to you, I remember, first of all, discouraging you from doing your ABC tour. Yeah, a lot of people did. (laughs) (laughs) But we'll get into that, of course, because that's something you've been involved with for the last couple of years. Yeah. I think we were doing some coaching, but then you stopped because you were starting to work with the Gandinis. Yeah, possibly. I'm not really sure of the timelines because I've been working with the Gandinis, started working with them when I was about 18, I think. And I still work with them on bits and bobs now, but more more so on my solo stuff. So, yeah, I'm not sure the timeline's there, but we definitely talked about, I think we were talking about coaching in my solo career. We were, but then you got so busy doing other stuff, we never got back to it. I think I even owe you a couple of coaching sessions, I think. Oh, really? I think oh, so. Maybe we can turn this into one of them. That'll be good. Yeah, exactly, Two exactly. Time. Well, we'll <laughs> talk about what's next, because uh, when we get to the end of the, the interview, we'll talk about the fact that you're just finishing up with Z is for Zoo. That's right, yeah. And so now after this, you'll need another uh, challenge for yourself. And maybe there's something else I can discourage you from doing. Yeah, that's all coming up. Now, are you a fan of uh, Sue Grafton? You know who that is? No, who is Sue Grafton? I really don't know who Sue Grafton is. No. Well, she's not a juggler. She's an author. But her books all have titles like A is for Alibi, B is for Burglary. She wrote a whole series of mystery books uh, Mm. following the letters of the alphabet. I really should have done my research, shouldn't I? <laughs> I thought for a second that that was sort of what inspired you because uh, she just finished no. herself. She just actually finished up. She, I think actually she passed away after she did the last one. Wow. Oh, I hope that doesn't happen to me. So I yeah, know. So stretch this one out. When is, when is Z for Zoo? Is that something still coming up? That is on the 25th of May. And how's your health? It's okay at the moment. <laughs> okay, good, good. So I don't want the same thing to happen because I was a big fan of Sue Grafton. I'm a big fan of yours. Now, is yours, are you going to make a, like a video documentary? Is there somewhere we can see these these shows? Have you have you been videotaping them? So all of the all of the shows have been videotaped and uh, they've been edited down online. So they're all on my YouTube channel and all the social media pages, really. So so far we've edited up to You Is for Underground, and we're still editing the other ones at the moment. But what's going to happen is. They'll all be online, the short edits. And they're not just the edits of the show, the edits of like the process as well, of kind of the before and after and all that stuff. Yeah, we're going to put them all online. And once they're all online, we're going to take them all offline and make one big edit, which we're going to be doing a cinema screening of. And that'll be downloadable as well. Oh, nice. Probably from the website. That's the plan, I think. I'm interested in seeing uh, V is for Voodoo Temple. Was that one of them? Or did I get that wrong? (laughs) No, it wasn't. V was for Van, actually. Okay, well, we'll get we'll get into some specifics. I'd like to hear some about because you had some quite interesting types of shows in different environments. So we'll get to those. But let's yeah. start. Let's start from the very beginning. Now, I know you won the British Young Juggler of the Year award. Yeah, that, that was quite a ways into your career. How did you start juggling? At what age and what what inspired you? So I started juggling around the age of six, um, but that was just with Diablo, really, just because my my brothers did it, my next door neighbors did it. And there was a guy on the beach that used to do it. So I come from a little beach town in uh, southwest England in Cornwall called Perranporth. And there was a guy called The Great Bodget. And he used to do shows on the beach with Diablo and comedy and magic and juggling and stuff. So I really started Diablo when I was six and then plate spinning and juggling and all that stuff. But juggling really kicked in for me around about 10 years old. And then I dropped all the other stuff, really. I, I'm, I'm, I still do Diablo in my show and that, but uh, I don't think I've learned a new Diablo trick since I was 10 years old, to be honest. 
just doesn't interest me. What's your favorite type of juggling? When you go out to practice, what still inspires you to practice? What I find a bit annoying about juggling is that there's, there's so much stuff that I'm really interested in. I, I, I do balls, rings, clubs, and ball bouncing. And I, I, I like them all equally. So if I go to practice, there's so much stuff I want to practice with all of them that to get it all done, it takes, it takes about three hours or so, which is good, but it's also quite tiring. So I, I don't really have a favorite. It kind of goes ups and downs. I'd say probably rings at the moment, but tomorrow it could be clubs. Yeah, I'm not a big rings guy. I find them hurt. They hurt my hands too much. Do you ever have problems with like the inside, like where your thumb meets your forefinger, that kind of webbing? <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I was chatting to Norby about this. I don't know if you have had Norby on the podcast, but um, not yeah, but I, I know Norby. Yeah, we're friends. This uh, that webbing between between the index finger and the thumb with, with ring jugglers, I find that it just gets stronger over time. It, it's it gets tough and leathery. I like to think that that bit between my index finger and my thumb is probably one of the toughest parts of my body. It's just thick and leathery and disgusting. It's horrible. <laughs> that's a good. That's a good feature if you're ever dating. Like my, <laughs> my between my thumb and finger is very thick and leathery. Yeah, feel that. Oh, you love that. <laughs> I remember I saw there was a juggler, uh, Benji Hill, who I yeah. knew years ago, and he had like these big cracks, like between his thumb and his forefinger, and I'd like that does not look looks painful, but it does it does kind of grow a callus, I guess. Then, yeah, you grow a callus and keep your hands moisturized in, in the winter when it gets cold. That's what I do. Yeah, I tried using those uh, renegade club, renegade rings, the thicker ones. Yeah, yeah, I don't really, I didn't get on with them. Well, I tried. I mean, I could, you know, juggle them a bit, and I did them in the show for a bit, just because I maybe I didn't do them rings enough to develop that that thick leathery hand <laughs> and feature. That uh, maybe it's an English juggler thing, because uh, maybe American hands are too soft. No way, no way. You got, I mean, you got Albert Lucas. That's right. Now Albert Lucas is a, a name from my generation as well. Actually, a little before my time. What other jugglers, like American jugglers? I mean, obviously, you know, Anthony Gatto and all that. Who, who came over there and made a big impression on the, the English scene? Anybody? Probably most inspiring to me would have been Jay Gilligan and Sean McKinney, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Sean McKinney, uh, he was great. I, I, you know, I watched all of his videos, DVDs, and he was a massive inspiration to me. I love the fact that he didn't have to wear waistcoats and bow ties, and he used music that he liked just because just for the sake of it i like the fact that he used music with lyrics instead of just jazz or classical and yeah for me he was a massive inspiration and i always like jay's jay's rawness as well like i still still a massive jay gilligan fan but yeah i'll say those two mainly yeah jay gilligan he's a gangster that's what i call him yeah. he's the gangster of juggling he was the he was the rebel and i, yeah. I just love that that was so appealing to me when i saw him uh, his routine actually i think it was the bjc that you performed that as well in perth Oh, no, no, no. I think he was in Derby. Yeah, but anyway, there was a BJC with Jay Gilligan at, and that particular BJC with Jay in, uh, he did a routine which, for me, changed juggling for me. I, I, I didn't know juggling could be like that. I didn't know that you could be in charge of your own music. I didn't know that it could be so free. I didn't know that you could do what you wanted. I'd, I'd never seen it like that. And for me, that, that was, that was life-changing. Yeah, that's my favorite Jay Gilligan. I like when he just goes off. He just, like, off, he just goes it? off. It's brilliant. <laughs> There's a good Sean McKinney story because I, I grew up with you know uh, in that time. He was a little, he's younger than me, of course he was, but I knew Sean quite well. And they were always the the IGA competitions didn't quite get him, and it was all about well, where's your costume? Like, like where's your you know at that time everybody wore like the spangly vest and the yeah. you know people dressed up. And here's this young man coming out in kind of the ripped jeans and the, the T-shirt. No, no, I was just saying, I love it. It's, it's, it's perfect. It's everything I needed at the time when I was growing up in my teens, just to see someone do stuff like that. 
But for, for him, that was his costume. And then one time he showed up and he's wearing, he was wearing, you know, the same kind of clothes. And he goes, I brought my costume. And he opened up uh, like a costume bag. Inside was a different pair of ripped jeans and a T-shirt. <laughs> for him, that, that's, what he, that's what he wore. That, so for him, that means that was his costume because that was his character that he wanted to portray. He didn't want to portray the, yeah. the stuffy juggler. He wanted to portray the, the guy who he was. Yeah, so cool. So cool. Yeah, so you saw probably the Caught Clean videos. Oh, I loved them because I was really into skateboarding and surfing at the t- at the time as well. So to see someone mixing juggling with all that kind of st- that raw style and jumping over stuff and just for me that was perfect. It was exactly what I needed at the right time. Yeah, it was kind of a combination of juggling, parkour, X Games, and just of course really really good juggling. Yeah, it was amazing, and I loved the fact that like, some of his juggling looked really sloppy, and it didn't need to look all clean and uh, smooth around the edges. I loved the fact that. He just went for it. It was just uh, the passion that went into it really made it for me. It was it was the equivalent of seeing a guitarist in a rock and roll band just completely lose it and roll around on the floor. It was that, but with juggling. I loved it. And it was also the, the, the saves. It wasn't just that he, he did the trick, but he's like he pushed it to the edge of diving for the catches. And oh, yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was quite good. A big shout out to Sean. Unfortunately, we lost him at a, at a young age. It mm. was a, a real shock when that happened. And... Hopefully this will inspire people to look up Sean McKinney on video and inspire people all anew. Yeah, buy the DVDs. Uh, whoever whoever is listening and that doesn't have the DVDs, go and buy both of them because they're both amazing. And whoever's listening that made the DVDs, put them online so you can buy them as a download because I've got the DVDs, but I don't have a DVD player. And if they're online as a download, I'll buy them. So please do that. <laughs> I think his name was, uh, if I'm not mistaken, was like Laban Phibius or something like that. Mm, not sure because I have a very brief cameo you have to if you blink you'll miss me but I have a a brief cameo in the in the caught clean videos as well (laughs) now at what age did you decide to so you're around 10 years old you've gone from the Diablo to more you've gone through the geeky magic phase and thank goodness you grew out of that yeah what relief yes but but then what what age did you start thinking about doing it professionally were you inspired by this great budget right off to try to do your do your hand at uh, trying to make some money at it well, so around uh, the time of uh, juggling around the age of 10, I saw the great budget. I mean, him kind of uh, became friends and stuff. We, we'd pa- I'd see him at festivals and we'd pass clubs and stuff, and he'd show me a couple of tricks. And he lent me some IJA VHSs from the 80s, which you, which you were on, by the way. <laughs> yeah, that's, that was my time, the 80s. Yeah, it was a good time for you. It was a good time. <laughs> it was, it was, that was my era, the 80s and yeah. 90s. Now, not so much, but the 80s and 90s, that was a good time for me. I remember watching these videos and I'd just never seen juggling like that. It was, I used to record on a cassette the music from the IJA routines. So it'd have all the applause and everything in it. So I'd have all this on, on a cassette tape, which I'd listen in my Walkman. And uh, I practiced it just because I, I really liked the kind of music of the jazz and, and the, the applause and everything. And I just used to practice with my Walkman to the soundtrack of IJA routines. That's funny. It was around that time that I was at a festival and this company were doing circus skills workshops and they were called Jungle Bungle Jugglers. They asked me if I wanted to work with them. So from then, around the age of 10, I was doing circus skills workshops and performances at holiday parks around around my area pretty much every weekend and in the school holidays. I was just uh, doing shows and stuff, which for me at that age was great. You know, I'd go to school in the week 
and then I have the secret life on the weekend where I go and do shows and circus skills workshops. That's something we don't have. I've heard about that a circuit of holiday parks. Is that like a campground? What, what is a holiday park? It's a, a place where people will get, so there'll be lots of, um, there'll be one center hub, which will have like, I don't know, bars and entertainment and maybe a little place for the kids to play and all, all this stuff. But around that, they'll have either caravans or camping or lodges where people can rent for the week and people just stay there. It's, there is a circuit of it in the UK. I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend doing it. <laughs> Why is it? Is it low paying? Is it uh, kind of bad venues? What What's the downside of it? I well, a couple of years ago, I went through the stage of, of going back to try and do them again. I just I personally didn't really like it. People just go there because I think they're quite cheap to to get the holidays there. So people mm-hmm. go there with their kids and they just get blind drunk, and the audiences aren't really very fun. And there's kids running around at ten in the evening, just going crazy. I didn't really didn't really enjoy it. It felt too too much of a challenge, really. And what kind of circuit do you work now? You work you work cruise ships and. What what do you like working now? Uh, I've got I've got quite a nice mix at the moment actually. I uh, I do probably fifty percent of my work is cruise ships, and the rest I do corporate stuff, private parties, festivals. I do comedy clubs, cabarets, all sorts of stuff really. Do you ever work in the United States, or is is most of your work uh, international to us? Uh, never in the states. It's my first time uh, this June, and I'm very excited about it. First time ever coming to the states. Well, I've been to the States on like a cruise, you know, like you fly there, right? go to New York and then get on a cruise ship. So I've been to New York for maybe four hours, but I don't think that really counts. <laughs> well, wait till you see Fort Wayne, Indiana, my friend. Oh, I've heard so many good things. <laughs> <laughs> There's quite, I'm not, I don't think I've ever, I think I've been to Fort Wayne myself. It's a pretty typical American city. Really, you know, it's not really a tourist spot. It's not like you come to the United States and you say to yourself, if I can see any state or any city... I want to see Fort Wayne, Indiana. Oh yeah. So, but of course you'll meet uh, David Kane. Have you met him before? No, never met him. I've liaised with him online a few times about various things, but uh, no, never met him. I think I'm going to go. I'm, I'm going to fly a day early before the IJA to go and see his museum and stuff because I'd like nice. to get over there. Yeah, so that's that's exciting. He's of course the juggling historian. He has the juggling museum, and he has quite a few uh, features that'll be new this year at the festival. Oh, great. Now, what are you looking forward to at the festival? Anything in particular that uh, the English jugglers think of the IJA? Or how do, how do they think of the IJA in general? Well, I am really looking forward to the IJA because British conventions, generally, you have to camp. And I don't like the idea of that at all. Mm. But IJA, everything's in hotels. It's all indoors and nice and nice plate. It's all like nice rooms and stuff. And I'm only going by what I've seen on the internet and on the VHSs from the 80s. <laughs> but yeah, British conventions tend to be maybe in a big top somewhere in a field or a random sports hall. But as far as I'm aware, IGA always seems to be hotels and stuff. Yeah, we went through a period of time where we started like in colleges and you'd stay in the college dorm and then you obviously juggle in their gymnasiums. But at a certain point, it moved into convention centers. That sounds great. That sounds perfect. Just the idea that I can get a hot shower every day would be perfect. Well, the best thing about this one too is all connected. Because, you know, sometimes you'd stay at a hotel, then you'd have to somehow get to the gym. This one, it's all like in the same area. You can walk from one to the other, which are my great. favorite types, to be honest. Great. That sounds great. And I think British juggling conventions as well. I feel like, uh, again, I'm only going from what I've seen online of the IJA. I feel like the IJA is a little bit more organized and a little bit more um, 
how can I say this without offending the British juggling conventions? I think the Renegades, from what I've seen, and when I started going to juggling conventions, Renegades were great. And now at British juggling conventions, the Renegades are absolute chaos. You know, people are blind drunk from the, the moment it starts and it's just mayhem. And I have, I have a feeling that, that if there's a Renegade at the IJA, it'll be better. Well, this year especially, I don't think uh, David Kane is, is trying to encourage the blind junk revelry yeah. <laughs> of maybe some of the festival organizers in the past. I think also that Renegade's only down to a couple nights during the festival, where if mm. you try to have it every night, I don't care where it's at, if you try to have it every single night, then the quality is going to suffer. Yeah, and I think the quality's definitely suffered at the British conventions over the past years. I don't think I've been to a good Renegade in over 10 years, but I've, it's a shame because I really love the format that you can just go up, do something, and the audience will be really supportive. Yeah, I'm ashamed to say that Renegades in the UK... I don't think the audiences are very supportive. They just want you to take your clothes off, basically. <laughs> yeah, and it's not it's not a good scene because it normally starts around midnight as well, which I think is crazy. Well, and speaking of taking your clothes off, one of the shows you did on the ABC tour was a, a naturalist resort. Yeah, yes, it which, was. Which we'd, yeah. we'd call a nudist resort. Yeah, well, I've still end, so that's good. No, but now as far as performing... Was it one of the situations where the audience was naked and you were clothed or did you also go on natural? So I was naked and oh. the audience were naked for the whole thing. And how long was the show? An hour. <laughs> An hour. <laughs> so I got there. So the show was at eight in the evening. I got there at four o'clock and the guy that ran the place said, look, just get naked now. And by the time the show gets, gets started, you'll be comfortable and you'll forget that you're naked. So I was naked for five hours. And there's no point where I felt comfortable or forgot that I was naked. <laughs> well, I think the, the English are kind of known for their reserve. Yes. Yeah. So this was pushing your, your comfort level quite a bit. Oh, yeah. It was terrifying. I didn't have a good time. <laughs> and what are some of the pitfalls of juggling and performing naked? Oof. Where do I start? Well, firstly, <laughs> there's a lot more. There's a surprising amount of waggling that goes on. Right. Especially during the pirouettes, I imagine. Or Yeah. There's a lot of uh, juggling about that you wouldn't expect. And also... Um, I, d I didn't have a, I couldn't use a head mic because the head mic would go into my pocket and I didn't have any pockets. Oh, right, right, right. Okay. So I did everything with a handheld mic with a lead and holding the handheld mic with the lead, occasionally it would um, clip the area. <laughs> I, oh, I see. I see. I thought, you, I thought maybe you clipped it to the area, which would be even worse. No, no, I wouldn't do that. That would be a different show entirely. So you didn't use like a stand mic. You just actually just held it in your hand. I did for some of it. Yeah. Yeah. And I put it in the stand for some bits, but uh <laughs> Yeah, and also that it was carpeted and I had no shoes on. So every pirouette and movement would just give me carpet burn on my feet. And was there any dangerous objects involved? Any machetes or anything like that? that no, none of that. The... Well, the most dangerous object was probably the Diablo string, which uh, mm -hmm. if you're naked is a nightmare. <laughs> any any plans to continue uh, performing naked or was that a one-time deal? No, well, strangely, that, so it, it, it went really, it went well, actually, right. which was nice. And um, it was a really weird environment because w when I was there i was kind of warming up so it was chilly and that's what i've been telling everybody um <laughs> right okay but, watch the video that it was it was cold <laughs> that day okay oh yeah yeah it was, it was really cold and um i was in this room just kind of warming up before everyone got in and then people started coming in and they were all closed oh okay and then i had this kind of heart sinking moment of oh no i've made a mistake <laughs> but then they started stripping off and that was all fine um but it was quite interesting at the end 
So I was naked. I finished my show. They were naked. And then they said, oh, John, come and have a drink. And there was a bar at the back of the room. Right. It's just strange to be at, at a bar with a, someone working behind the bar who's naked. I've got a beer in my hand and someone else has, and we're all just naked. And it was really, that was the weirdest bit, really. Just stood there and just, I couldn't put my hand <laughs> or anything. Now, what's worse, a holiday park or a, a naturalist resort? Holiday park, without a doubt. Holiday park. <laughs> so if there was a tour of, of naturalist resorts, you'd, you would choose that above the holiday parks? Definitely, yeah. <laughs> well, before we get back to the ABC tour, because that sort of brings us out to the, the current day. So you, you had this sort of experience working with this group. How did you start doing your own act and, and what did your own act entail? What kind of routines did you do at that time? So the first routine I did was to Robin William, uh, Robbie Williams' Let Me Entertain You, mm-hmm. which is a terrible track. And it was basically, um, it was a four, like three and a half minute routine. And in that routine, there was plate spinning, Diablo, cigar boxes, devil stick, club juggling, ball juggling, ring juggling, scarf juggling, yo-yo, everything. <laughs> I basically right, picked right. one thing up, did a trick, put that down, picked something else up, did a trick, put that down. And yeah, at that time, I could probably do uh, three balls and maybe under the leg. So I, I wasn't very good. But that was my first routine. That sounds kind of a good idea, though, just sort of like a short attention span kind of act. Well, yeah, I, I mean, it wasn't thought out. It was just I didn't have enough material. <laughs> okay. All right. The next routine was, as I said, I recorded the soundtracks to various right. AA routines with the applause in and stuff. So my second routine was Anthony Gatto used to do a routine to, I don't know what the music's called, but it went, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a pretty common track. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so I did a, a routine to that. Right. And it had the applause in and stuff. Oh, funny. Uh, okay. I didn't think that it was. I was using it as a tool. I was just thinking, oh, you know, it's a nice track. And uh, it was great because every time the applause happened, the audience automatically clapped, no matter what. Right, right. So that was my second routine. And what year did you win the uh, the British Young Juggler of the Year? Was You were still pretty quite young when you did that then. Yeah, so I, I was 16. And that was um, that was massively Sean McKinney and Jay Gilligan inspired because I, I love the fact that because well, I wasn't even planning on en- entering the competition to be honest. I went to the convention and they had seven people entering, and everyone was like, "John, you entering the competition?" And I was like, "No, no, I don't want to enter because I didn't have a routine or anything. I didn't have a costume. I didn't have anything." And I made my routine at the convention while I was there because people persuaded me to go into the routine into the competition. And I ended up borrowing someone's shirt because I didn't have a shirt. Because why would you take a shirt to a juggling convention as a teenager? <laughs> yeah, a nice shirt. Yeah, of course. Yeah, so I just borrowed a, a shirt that was a bit too big for me because it was the only one I could find. And I made a routine to uh, Audio Slave, which I don't know if you know is a, kind of a rock band. I know the name. I, I don't think I could recognize their songs, but they, they were popular here. Yeah. And uh, that, that was massively Jay Gilligan and Sean McKinney inspired just to have kind of rock music and just mess around with some clubs and stuff. The other acts were really good. I just got lucky. Do you have to be British to win the British Young Juggler of the Year or do you, does it just take place at the festival? Mm-hmm. That's a good question. I'd like to say yes, but I don't know. I don't know if that's true. I have no idea, to be honest. And am I a bit, a bit too old to try to compete? Is there an age limit? Well, the age limit is 21, so you're just a couple of years too late. Okay. Now, I'm coming this year to uh, Newark and the EJC. I, I've never been there. What is Newark like? Can you give me some, some tips about going to the EJC this year? To be honest, I don't know. I haven't been to Newark, but if you come to England and it is August, which is our summer, I'd recommend nice warm clothes, maybe a woolly hat and some waterproofs. Cause it would really? Probably... 
Oh yeah, English summers are rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. So so some rain wear then, some rain gear. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And will it be a situation where I'll be camping? Because uh, I'm also not much of a camper. Are they paying you to be there? I am a special guest. I'll be emceeing the gala show. Well, then if I were you, I'll double check your contract because you don't want to be camping. <laughs> no, I don't want to be camping. No. 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 Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll talk to them about that. <laughs> now, as far as the British sense of humor, is there something I should be warned about? I mean, with my uh, American sensibilities, is there something? I don't think so. I think, you no, know, there's lots of... For example, I'm a massive Jerry Seinfeld fan. I love okay. Seinfeld. Yeah. And um, he's coming over. Actually, I've got tickets to see him in a couple of in a couple of months, which I'm really excited about. And he's coming over to the UK, and his tickets sold out under a couple of hours. The tickets sold out, and he's got a huge, huge theatre. So I think, you know, the American sense of humour is popular everywhere. And there's lots of British people that are massive fans of American comedians, like Chris Rock, Louis C.K., and, you know, there's a bunch of... Yeah, Mike Babiglia is one, another one that I really like. Well... People have called me the, the Seinfeld of juggling. That, that was, really? That's good. Well, that was me. I call, I just, I'm the only person who calls me that. But <laughs> That's good. I like to think of myself as a humorous. I had an idea maybe something like the difference between the English jugglers and the American jugglers. Mm. And one would be like their, their stiff upper lip makes ping pong juggling hard. Is that, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's something. There's definitely something. Some. Okay. All right. Well, <laughs> there's 10 seconds of material right there. Yeah. yeah. Get 45 minutes out of that. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I'll just, I'll just wait for the pause. I'll wait for the laugh. Yeah. It might take a while. Yeah. I'll just wait for it. It'll happen eventually. Exactly. Well, I'm looking forward to it. You know what I really want? I must say, out of all the things I saw on your website, and you have a very nice website, very well done, and Thank a you. lot of social media, which is uh, something I've never, unfortunately, uh, have a really exploited as much as you do is I have to get a mug and practice tea bag. Okay, cool. Now is that mug, is it breakable? Is that a breakable mug or is it something that won't break or? So it's kind of, it was kind of a joke thing really, because I do a routine with a teacup and a tea bag. Mm -hmm. So the, the mug is a real mug that can break. And on the mug are some nice drawings done by Donald Grant, the Diabloist. Uh -huh. And there's a little practice tea bag to go with it, which is a, basically a little bean bag in a tea bag shape and it was just a joke thing really that because i th think it's quite funny to do a juggling prop that's very breakable <laughs> right so if you mess up you just gotta keep buying keep buying but yeah i'll bring one over to the iga if you like and if there's anyone else that wants one let me know and i'll try and bring, bring them to the iga but if you don't unless you let me know i'm not going to bring it i'd like one because that's sort of my kind of thing. I mean, I, I'm, I'm a person who is sort of drawn to the offbeat. Like, um, you know, I enjoy watching clubs, rings in balls and that kind of thing. Yeah. But I've always been more drawn to mixed props, everyday props. Yeah, yeah. And I oh. thought, well, that looks like fun. So <laughs> I, w I would like a mug and practice tea bag. So I'll put Perfect. my order in now. I'll bring one over. And I'll trade you for one of my, my toys or something like that. Yeah, done. All right, we'll do a trade. I love a trade. We'll do a trade. Cool. So you won this Young Juggler of the Year award, and I think that was, what, 2006? Was that something that actually sort of springboards you or gives you some legitimacy? Or how were you able to uh, snowball that into the, the career you're having today? I'm not sure if it did anything because, uh, yeah, it's tough because it's, it's a competition that no one knows what it is. If I said that I won British, uh, British Got Talent, then that would be a different thing. But as far as I'm concerned, when I tell the public, it's a made-up competition that they've never heard of. But you know, it kind of sounds good, and it, it got me a little bit of work, but I don't, don't know if it carried me over to what I'm doing now. Who knows? Who knows? There's no way of telling, really. And what do you think about the talent shows? Have you ever, have you ever competed on uh, Britain's Got Talent? No. no I'd, 
I don't know. I'm, I'm in two minds about it, really. I think if I was going to do it, it would be America's Got Talent. But I think you've got a lot to lose, really. I think if it goes badly or if one person, one of the judges just doesn't like your act for whatever reason, or if you come out and you do a drop straight away, then they've got the footage of you dropping and they're completely in charge of the editing. And I don't know, it could be career ruining, really. And I don't know if I... My career is going quite well. I don't want to take any risks right now. Yeah, people have a mixed mind of it. Also, there's a bit of an exploitation factor that back in the day, once again, if I look back in my career, you went on a show and they had an agenda of you doing well. Like their goal was for you to do well. And now it's like, well, we don't care if you do well or not, as long as there's something that we can use that will be entertaining. Exactly. So entertaining good, entertaining bad, doesn't matter. Yeah. I think it's gotten better. I think these last couple of years, especially with Victor Key doing quite well and obviously the passing zone did quite well yeah piff as well piff the magic dragon piff the magic dragon and the the boy with tape on his face so i guess now it's called tape face yeah is he in english he's english isn't he or no he's from new zealand or I believe new zealand or australia because his real name is sam willis i believe yes that's right yeah or were you a person who worked at coventry garden is it was that part of your career uh, I didn't do Covent Garden, but I did do South Bank, which is um, another part of London, which basically Covent Garden, you have to go early in the morning to fill out to um, fill out which slot you're going to do. But I don't really like mornings. So I went to the South Bank, which is a place where you can you can just rock up and do a show. If there's a space, you can just go and do a show. So I did that for a little bit. Is that is that near the eye? The uh, yeah. London. OK, because I've yeah. seen that. Yeah. So that's it seems like a nice little spot. Didn't seem like a like a huge type of pitch. Like you couldn't get a, a huge crowd. No, no. It, it was good training actually. Like I did it when I when I first started juggling as my job. That's what I did for a little bit just to uh, just to pay the rent really. But it just so happened that I needed to do that in the cold winter months. So it wasn't great, and I didn't have a good uh, street show at the time. So it, it kind of put me through the mill a bit. But I think that's quite good. I think you need to go through doing bad on the street before you get good. Definitely. Well, I think you need a place where you can do a lot of shows. Like if you if you do a show, then you think, wow, that went poorly. I'm going to do another one right now and try to correct the things that went awry. Exactly. Yeah. I think today's jugglers are a bit soft, to be honest. Mm. Maybe they don't have the opportunities we did where, because we would do eight or nine shows a day, me and Barry. Yeah. yeah I just come back from Australia where I did uh, 109 shows in four and a half weeks. Wow. That's more than we've ever done. That was like a fringe festival. What, what kind of festival was that? Yeah, that's the Adelaide Fringe Festival. And how, how do you do so many shows? Is it just that available? I mean, that seems like an awful lot of shows. The shows would be between 10 and 15 minute slots. So I could uh-huh. I'd go from one venue and then I would take my props straight to another venue. And there's some venues where I did they'd do rolling shows. So we'd get the audience in, we'd do a show, and then we'll get the next audience in, do a show. And it'd be for, for a small amount of money, they'd get a 20, 30 minute show with a few different acts. So we, we were getting up to maybe 15 shows a day, which, uh, which is quite cool which is quite a, a physical challenge, really, but a good fun to go through. And were these paid shows or were you passing the hat? We got a percentage of the ticket sales. Oh, okay. People paid to go in, and the more people we got in, the more money we got. Interesting, interesting. What are they, what are they, were there other jugglers there? Anybody else who I might have heard of uh, also there as well? Not in Adelaide that I met. I did go to Melbourne afterwards and met up with Earl Shatford. Oh, okay. Oh, Earl Shatford, he's quite good. Yeah, I, I, I'm friends with him on Facebook. He's more of a circus juggler. Yeah, yeah, very much so. But he's, he's a very talented juggler. He's probably the best juggler in Australia. Would you say so? I mean, his skills are very high level. I mean, you got Joe Fisher there as well, who's incredibly talented. Joe Fisher's a fantastic juggler. I don't know. If, I have to look him up. I'm not familiar with Joe Fisher. 
Yeah, he's just one of those he's just one of those guys that's just good at everything. He's really good. He's very talented. And then afterwards, you went on vacation. It was Thailand the vacation because I saw on your website that you had gone for two months total on this trip. Yeah, so I did four and a half weeks work in Australia, and then spent another two weeks in Australia holidaying, traveling around, and seeing various bits and bobs. And then we went to. Thailand afterwards for a week, just on the way home, because it kind of broke up the jet lag as well. We stop halfway and have a nice little holiday and then nip home afterwards. But then I arrived home after two months away and I got home on the 11th of April at 8.30 in the evening. I had to unpack, repack, go to sleep, wake up at nine in the morning to head out for a week <laughs> on a cruise ship. Wow. You're a bit knackered, like they say, right? Knackered? Yeah, completely knackered. I got back home about four hours ago. So I'm feeling a little rough. Oh, okay. So I, I caught you right right at the end of a cruise. Yeah, yeah. I got back today, which is quite nice. And what what kind of act do you do on the cruise? I mean, do they have you do... I know some lines want you to do 245s now. How much material do you have to do on a cruise? I've got 245s, which I did on this particular cruise. Two wow. separate 45-minute shows. I do enjoy it, actually. I do enjoy the cruises. The, the bits I don't like about it is the, the sitting around. You know, I know it sounds... Mm-hmm silly to complain about being on a cruise but I, I personally really enjoy working the shows are the bits that i would do for free to be honest just don't tell them that right i would ideally like to go on do my show go to sleep and leave well people don't understand that you're there when you when other people are vacationing you're usually there by yourself and it's, yeah. it's a different experience when you're not with somebody or you're just sort of there to do a job and th- there's a lot of downtime totally actually on this particular one my brother came along so that was quite nice Oh, nice. Nice. So you had some company. Is, is he uh, in the entertainment business as well, or does he have a different type of job? No, he's a math teacher. Yeah, math teacher. So a lot more, a lot more boring. So he's the, he's the black sheep of the family then? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's the rogue one. And what did your parents think about your career as a juggler? Was it something they supported? Yeah, they love it. They've always been very supportive of me. You know, there's all these jokes about oh, how ashamed my parents would be, you know, being a juggler, the classic hack stuff. But uh, I think right. you know, my, my parents have always been really proud. They'd take me to circus skills workshops that they'd be happy for me. to. I'd come home from school. I would come in. I'd get changed. I'd go out and juggle until it got dark. And that was just my life. And, they, you know, they saw I was happy and then they just let me do it. It was great. Yeah, I like to say my, my mom's happy now that I'm a juggler because she realized I could, I could have grown up to be president. <laughs> yeah. Comparison to that, uh, she's very proud that uh, I didn't <laughs> enter politics. So, yeah. and what do you think about our, our presidential situation? Is is uh, if I were to go there and, and do jokes about Trump, would that go over well? Uh, yeah, I think I think Trump's fantastic. He's a really nice guy. No, he's not really. <laughs> <laughs> and what about the Brexit thing? Is that uh, it seems to be ongoing and ongoing and ongoing? Is it something they just keep push off or? I have no idea what's going on with Brexit. And I don't think Theresa May, who's in charge of Brexit, knows anything about Brexit. It seems like a bad decision gone wrong. No one knows what's going to happen. But it definitely doesn't seem like it's going to be a, a good result. Will it affect my time at all coming into England this year or probably not? I think, well, it was meant to be sorted out ages ago. So, uh, yeah, who knows? I think the next decision... I'm not sure if this is correct, but I think the next decision on Brexit isn't until October. Um, they just keep putting it off. I don't know what's going to happen with it. So you, you should be fine. Okay. Well, you're probably like me. I'm not really a guy who, who follows politics, except for sometimes it's sort of pushed in your face. Like you can't ignore it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Me, I, I prefer just to live in the, the world of juggling. Yeah. It's, it's a simpler <laughs> world sometimes. The world of juggling. Exactly. The world of juggling. Hey, let's, let's, let's go to this ABC tour now. 
as far as um, I remember when you first had this idea, and I, I do believe I was a bit dismissive of it. Yeah. And now that you've done the whole thing, your your Z is for zoo. Yeah. What's your take on the whole experience? When I started it, I um I spoke to a few people about it, and very few said it was a good idea because basically. If someone came up to me, I'll just explain the ABC tour for the people that don't know. Please. It's 26 shows in 26 different venues, one for each letter of the alphabet. So I did a show in an aquarium. I'll, I'll just list them now. Aquarium, sure. bakery, castle, a door shop, the Eden Project, which is like a big indoor dome, a forest, gallery, hairdressers, internet, jail, knitting club, library, monkey sanctuary, naturist resort, origami convention, a pig pen, a quiz, a roller disco. In the snow, trampoline, underground, van, Christmas show, and I'm going to be doing a yacht, uh, a zoo. I think I missed that W. Window, yeah. Window. Now, some of those stand out, like when you said, what, pig pen something? Yeah, I did a show in a pig pen. So I was surrounded by um, lots of pigs in a pig right. pen. And, yeah, I did a show in a pig pen. So there's, the audience was stood around the outside of the pig pen, and there's pigs kind of just walking around me and climbing up my legs and stuff. Now, was that a tourist attraction? Is there is it people go to the the are the pigs good tippers? Yeah, well, there are, there's this place in southwest England where you can go and you can hold the little piglets and stuff. It's like a oh, that's fun hands-on farm, and I was really surprised that they let me do it to be honest because it doesn't seem very safe. But they right. uh, they were really encouraging. They're like, yeah, come on over, come into the pig pen, do your juggling show. <laughs> Right. And, I, I, you know, I think pigs are supposed to be very intelligent. I, I would enjoy that. Was it fun? It was surprising. I didn't take into account how loud pigs can get. Okay. And I was in a pig pen with 12 pigs and just randomly at any point, they might just start squealing for no reason. And they are so loud. When you've got 12 squealing pigs, the audience are definitely not going to hear you. Right. Are they smelly as well? Are they smelly? No, these were lovely ones. They didn't smell oh, okay. at all. Okay. I'm laying down in the in the hay with right. the pigs surrounding me, <laughs> right. and I've got pigs climbing on my face and my legs and stuff. And I'm doing some juggling through my legs, and then a pig um, bites me in the bum. And were you naked at this show as well? No, not this one. No, okay. I didn't want to give Just them checking. too much to chew on. No, <laughs> <laughs> just checking. Right? Okay. <laughs> now, how about the uh, how about the monkey sanctuary? That also sounds like good fun. So it's quite strange on the ABC tour. So, some of the ones sound fun right and they're not fun this was one of those ones <laughs> oh okay the monkey sanctuary is quite strange because we went there my aim to at the monkey sanctuary was to try and do various bits of juggling for humans and for the monkeys so we can kind of compare the reaction gotcha but we went there on a rainy day and all the monkeys didn't want to play so I ended up uh, doing just a show for the humans, which is a little bit annoying. But I did try and do some stuff for the monkeys, but they just, they're just they all inside and they didn't want to hang out. I think what I like about the ABC tour is normally on social media, everyone just puts up the highlights of their life. They'll put up the best shows, uh, the best audiences, the best photos. But the ABC tour, you can't do that because I'm trying to show the honest side of performing. In In some of the videos, some of the shows have been an absolute disaster. And I think that's what's interesting about it if i did 26 shows in 26 weird places and i in the videos i'd say yeah they're all good all perfect exactly as planned that's not entertaining nobody wants to see that they want to see me fail they want to see me fall over they want to see me struggle in various situations i think that's what makes these locations more interesting so of the ones you've done so far 
What is the high point and what is the low point? Oof. Well, I'd say the low point was the roller disco. Oh, all right. Yeah, see, that, another one. That's that's one that sounds like it would be great. Because it sounds like okay, it sounds like indoors and probably like some kind of focus. Yeah. Well, so what, I, what was wrong with that one? So I couldn't roller skate. Okay. So I got lessons from my friends. I was learning to roller skate. And then I spent you know a good few weeks making ro- a couple of juggling routines and roller skates. So I did the whole thing on skates. And I booked this roller disco and there's a few people coming and stuff. And then when I got there, I think maybe there's just mixed messages. The people that were there wanted to skate. Oh, right, right. And they didn't want me there. <laughs> oh, I see. You were just an inconvenience. I was an, inco- I was an inconvenience to my own show. And <laughs> so they were just skating around. If anything, I was just in the way. Gotcha. So, yeah, I, I've never felt less welcome at my own show ever. So that was that one. But it was quite interesting yeah. just to try and do a show on skates. So now I know I've got a show on roller skates. It sounds like a bad walk-around gig. You know, you're, you probably have some of those where yeah. you kind of wish – People kind of wish you weren't there. Like this would be a better job if I wasn't here. Exactly. You just pay me yeah. for not coming here. Yeah. Do that. Yeah. <laughs> and so that was what was the high point then? What was your favorite show of the group so far? Oh, it's tricky. I think maybe the trampoline or the van. The van struck me as very very small. But go go ahead. The trampoline and the van. So the trampoline was um, interesting because, like most jugglers, most of us are not acrobats in any way. You know, you get the exceptions, the circus school kids. But I don't have an ac- acrobatic bone in my body. So I, I got a trampoline coach to train me up to do a few things. And we've got, in some of the ABC tour videos, we've got training videos as well. So we got, mm, nice. the, the, we've got a training video for the roller skating and for the trampoline. So we've got trampoline. I learned a couple of tricks. I learned how to do a somersault and all this stuff. And I spent a month training trampoline. So I put a show together. And the, the trampoline place was super hospitable. Like I think what I've noticed about the ABC tour, the places that are most on board with the shows, the places that like the idea and are just keen to let things happen, they've been the best shows. For example, the roller disco, that was it was kind of negative from the start. There was too many questions. They worried about health and safety and worried about everyone skating and sure, tripping over the props or something. Exactly, yeah. But the trampoline place, I walked in and I said, Hello, I've got this idea of an ABC tour, I've done this, this, this can I do a juggling show at your trampoline park? And the guy was like, yeah, sure. And then he gave me a month's membership and just said, yeah, come in as much as you like, bring whoever you want to, you know, just practice as much as you like any time of the day. So he gave me free reigns of the trampoline park. Yeah, I just trained up to do the trampoline show. And what was interesting, I did an hour long show bouncing on trampolines. So I was talking and juggling and I made various routines that I could do on the trampolines and stuff. And uh, it was the most tiring show of my life. I've never felt so exhausted after a show just because I was bouncing the whole time and talking and juggling. It was exhausting. So that was kind of interesting. Were you able to do like a one-up flip or something like that? No, I, could, I tried. I couldn't do it. It, it. I wasn't good enough at flipping. I, in the show, I landed two out of my three flips. But not while juggling. They're just, just sort of on their own. Just on their own, yeah. I was doing pirouette, like jumping pirouettes and mm. seat drops and stuff. But yeah, I wasn't good enough at flipping to do it under a high throw. Your current show is called... Uh... John Udry punches gravity in the face. That's right. I like that name. Yeah, it's good. I, I feel like it says a lot in the title about, I feel like non-jugglers could read into that in a variety of different ways. You know, like they could read into it like overcoming stuff or mm-hmm. try, trying to trying to battle against things that are difficult. But at the end of the day, it's a juggling show. Well, like one thing you juggle, which sort of like goes to that theme, is you, you juggle helium balloons. Yeah. Yeah. Is that like, like pulling them down on the strings? Is that, I think I saw a bit of it on your promo tape. Helium balloons are one of the most, 
Mm. Not the most, but one of the most inconvenient props I've ever had to work with. I've worked with worse, but they're definitely they're definitely some of the worst. And just because they're so inconvenient. And what I do is I have a helium balloon with ribbon. I weight the helium balloon down with a little bit of blue tack. Do you call it tack in America? Uh, that's like a tape? Yeah, it, like it's kind of like a sticky glue type thing, but it's not sticky. I think I've heard the term, but it's not common. So I, I don't think it's something we, we use very much of. I'll make sure I bring some over. And yeah, I use that to kind of weight it down. So every time I blow a helium balloon up, I weight it down so it's got good floatability. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't go up too fast, but also it doesn't just drop to the sure. floor. But this is really inconvenient because say you're starting your show at nine o'clock and your helium balloon bit is 30 minutes into your show. Those helium balloons have been sitting there for at least. Oh, right. So you've got to kind of judge it with what their floatability is going to be like in 30 minutes time. But that also varies on the on the temperature of the room. If it's hot, they uh, don't float as much. If it's cold, it, it goes all weird. So, yeah, there's so many different factors. And also you've got air conditioning. They're an absolute nightmare. <laughs> and here in the States, we have a bit of a helium shortage. Oh, really? Okay. It's good to know. I think it's okay. I think you'll have to look plan ahead a little bit. Yeah, I think Dave Payne said he's going to get me some. So Yeah, because you, you kind of think of where does helium come from? Like, how do they actually manufacture helium? It's actually sort of a naturally occurring gas. Yeah, who knows? So, um, yeah, I mean, you just plan ahead for the, the helium and make sure it has good floatability. That's something yeah. you know, every prop needs to have uh, <laughs> good floatability. Yeah. Because also I found as well, like, I started making the helium balloons. I had a little kind of like a not a mold but like i'd have a, i'd have two bits of tape and i'd think okay i'm going to blow the helium balloons to be between this size so they're all the same size but then once you get closer to the end of the canister there's a more of a ratio of air than there is helium like the helium's less floaty so you could have the blue one side you could have two balloons the same size but one floats a little bit less so they're just so impractical not the most impractical but they are impractical is that something you would do on a cruise ship? I mean, are you able to bring a canister of helium with you, or is that something you just do locally? I just do that locally. Yeah, I can't do that. I can't take helium on board, unfortunately. Well, I doubt you could fly with it either, right? You can't really no. fly with a tank of helium. No. So whenever I do it abroad, it's always um, that they supply the helium. Now, speaking of one international trip, I guess this would count as abroad. You did a Swedish commercial. Was that in Sweden, or, or where did you shoot that? That was in Helsinki in in Finland. That was many moons ago. That was. That was ten years ago now. It was quite a good, quite a good commercial though. It has you juggling glasses and a tray, and it was actually very well done. It was a strange gig actually because we, we filmed it in a McDonald's, and I'm not a massive fan of McDonald's now, but you know, twenty year old me, I needed the money. Sure, sure. So yeah, I got offered this gig, and it was strange because you know I'm blonde hair and blue eyes, and the audition was we need a juggler who looks early twenties, who so he's early twenties and looks Scandinavian. And I had blonde hair and blue eyes. I got the I got the part straight away. It's the only audition I've ever got. And we went to a McDonald's in Helsinki, in Finland, and we had to film during the night when the McDonald's wasn't open. So right. we started filming about eleven in the evening, and we went all the way through the night until seven in the morning. And it was an interesting commercial because I was juggling these glasses, and the glasses were made of glass. Oh, so I broke so many glasses. There was glass everywhere. <laughs> Yeah, that's bad planning because they could have been plastic, right? Yeah, I have no idea why I juggled glass. Right, right. Yeah, but they wanted it to look real. So, uh, yeah, I juggled the glass and there's a couple of times where I'd I'd go to throw it and it would hit the counter of the of the McDonald's and then glass would oh. be shattered all over the room over the cameraman. 
So I never saw the outtakes, but I imagine there were some really good ones. And have you done other commercials or other TV appearances in your career? I haven't done any other commercials. I've done a couple of shows with Gandini's. So we did like a breakfast show and there's a um, Le Plus Grand Cabaret du Monde, which is a French TV show. That's a good show. I like it. Yeah, it's a great show. So we did that with Gandini's. Nothing solo yet, but you know, who knows? I'll wait for the right thing to come up. And what does the future hold uh, for you? What I mean, obviously you're coming to the IGA and we're, I'm quite uh, keen to meet you. We've never actually met in person, so that should be fun. So where do you see yourself going? So you're, how old are you now, John? I'm 30. Oh, just 30. Wow, so young. Okay. And so where do you see this, the rest of your career kind of playing out? I don't know, to be honest. I, I just think I would like my career to grow. Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't like in 10 years' time for me to be doing the exact same gigs I'm doing now. Right. I'd like to be doing... I wouldn't mind doing some of the same, but more. So some kind of other thing. Ideally, I'd like to do uh, a tour because I've been working a lot in the comedy clubs and stuff recently. So I'd like to work on that circuit a bit more, like maybe tours of the UK, do some shows in the States. I'd love to break into the States a bit more. I've heard there's some good festivals out there, but I don't don't know how to get into them. Like there's the Moisture Festival or something. Well, I mean, it's a good festival, but it's not a paying. I mean, it's not something that would be well paid. Yeah, so I'd, I'd like to find a way of um, of taking my show over there. And Australia as well. The Australians like my show a bit. So hopefully taking an hour-long show to Adelaide Fringe next year. That's the plan. I'm also trying to write a book as well at the moment, which is a nightmare because I'm not very good at writing. That's what I've discovered. Well, I just finished a book. I have a book available on Amazon.com. And I just find that it's uh, we get in our own way a lot. And yeah. just by doing it, you learn a lot and sort of not, not saying that the, you, you don't think about the quality, just be willing to share, just be willing yeah. to do it. And nowadays with the self-publishing and everything, it's, it's quite easy to do, yeah. at least get it out to people. Yeah, that's the plan. Yeah. Would this be a story about your life? No, no, no. It's going to be a, a story. It's, it's about the ABC tour, basically. And I gotcha. The troubles mm-hmm. I've got uh, that happened during each letter and kind of the good bits, the bad bits. It's going to be the true story because there's some stuff online that I can't put up because I don't want to upset the people that let me perform in their venues and all this stuff. And I'm not going to be including any names in the book, but uh, yeah, the ABC tour full of start to end, the story from A to Z with all of the details. The zoo is the last one. Oh, the yacht, zoo. Yeah, I'm doing a yacht in, that's a week before the zoo. So the yacht is the 18th of May. Now a yacht club or on the yacht itself? On the yacht, we're going out to sea. <laughs> nice, nice. I, I have no idea how that's going to go. It's one of those things where a lot of these shows, you can't have a practice run. Mm-hmm. So all I know is that people are going to book tickets to go onto the yacht and I have to do some kind of show in the sea. I, I have no idea how it's going to go. But to be honest, if it goes well, that's good. If it goes badly, that's good footage. Right, right, right. It's like it's like America's Got Talent. Yeah, it makes an interesting story no matter how it goes. And do you, are you sure you're going to have enough space? I mean, if you kind of have space requirements and say, look, at least I need this kind of uh, atmosphere or this much space to do it. No, I don't know. I'm not sure about any of that. <laughs> what about the zoo? Now, the zoo, I mean, I've performed at zoos. They usually have some sort of area for performance. Yeah. Have you talked to them about what you might need there? Or do you plan to perform in an animal enclosure? Or what, what does the zoo entail? My spec for the ABC tour is that I don't want to perform in any places where there's normally shows. Because gotcha. you need it. That's that goes against everything in the ABC tour at the zoo. It took quite a while, actually, because there's a lot of zoos. But I really wanted a zoo where I could perform somewhere interesting. 
And this particular zoo, they've said they can get me in with the animals, so I can be performing around the animals and to the animals. And I'm also going to be doing a private party there in the evening where I'm going to have a little bit more leeway with what I can get away with in terms of performing in front of guests. Yeah, I think that could be quite an interesting one. I'm, I'm planning to do a show in with some animals so the humans can see it, but it's not for them. Now, in a perfect world, what would be your favorite animal to perform with? Are you a, a, a lemur guy? Are you a, a wildebeest guy? What, what do you like? Very tricky question. I love, I'm a real animals guy. I love all animals. Maybe flamingos would be cool or penguins. Flamingos, yeah. Flamingos would be nice. Yeah, yeah. Meerkats would be cool. Meerkats. I, I'm, a, I'm a meerkat fan. I enjoy the meerkat. Yeah, I love them all. I, I'm a massive animal. I'm not a massive fan of bats, to be honest. I'm not keen on bats. Have you ever seen the, have you ever been to like Tonga and seen the, the giant fruit bats? Uh, flying foxes? Uh, there's a lot in Australia, actually. They're huge. They're, they're the size of small dogs. They're actually, if you look at closely, I always think of them as flying dachshunds. Yeah. And because they have a little dachshund foxy face. Yeah, yeah. And I'm a huge dachshund fan. I have two uh, named uh, Francis and Lottie are my two dachshunds. Oh, that's so. nice. Well, before we go out, any, any shout outs you want to give to other British jugglers? We're just wrapping up now. Anybody you, uh, you want to, you think I should have on the podcast from your area? Yeah. Have you had Steve Rawlings and Matthew Tiffany yet? No, I've had Steve. I have not had Matthew. I need to do Matthew. That will have all three of the guests. Yep. Sam, Sam Veal would be good. Sam Veal. Now, also, I look at you, I think, as a, a guy who could do some acting. You have quite a good look. Are you interested in acting at all? Well, here's the thing. My girlfriend is an actress. And right. when we got together a few years ago, I kind of thought, oh, I, you know, I could maybe do a bit of acting. And I did a, a comedy sketch. Some of my friends were comedians, and they said, oh, John, do you want to do a bit of comedy acting? It's just a little sketch online. We need someone else. And I said, yeah, sure, whatever. So I went along and did it. And in the, in the sketch, there was four people. There was three actors and me. Mm -hmm. And at the time, I thought I did quite well. <laughs> and looking back at the video, you can tell which one's not an actor. And it's me. <laughs> right, it's, right. it's awful. I'm not good at it. I'm not, I'm not natural at it. And I also don't think I would enjoy it as well. For me, I love doing comedy and I, I like doing stand-up and I like doing juggling. And I think that's where I should stay at the moment, to be honest. I don't think the acting world needs me to come in and taint it at the moment it's a different skill set isn't it i mean we all, i thought i would be good at improv because so i took an improv class once and because uh, you know i'm good at i'm sh sharp on the stage and I, I can come up with good spontaneous lines yeah but it's a different skill we're used to not say hiding behind our props but the props do give us quite a bit good crutch sometimes definitely definitely and i've been trying to do i've been doing the open mic nights for stand-up comedy and i've been doing that a little bit without props and uh it's 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 a terrifying thing it is terrifying. Now, what routines can we expect to see at the, the festival this year? Oof, that is a good question. I'd like to think I could do my helium balloon routine over there, but it depends on helium and stuff. I don't know. I'm, I've been maybe working on a couple of new bits. And if they're ready in time uh, for the IJA, I'll bring them out there. But I'm not sure yet. I'll, I'll also be doing a talk out there on the ABC tour, I think. Nice. Well, I look forward to meeting you and all the rest of the British invasion as they come to storm our shores yeah we're coming for you we're coming i'm looking forward to it and hey thank you for taking the time thank you for being on the drop everything podcast mr john udry thanks john cheers i hope you enjoyed drop everything podcast number 70 my conversation with john udry thank you john look forward to meeting you this summer at the iga juggling festival in fort wayne indiana june 24th through the 30th hope all the listeners will join us there as well Go to juggle.org for information about the festival and, of course, all the other great services and products offered by the IJA. 
My books are still available at Amazon.com, my toy at Ringdama.com, and of course the LED version at Zing.com. All right, go out there, drop everything, except when you're juggling.